to see everybody. If you didn't get uh, the communion, it's out in the foyer. Make sure you slip out and get one. We'll do that right at the end of our service uh, service today. Uh, Ernie Gomez got me this jacket. Boy, it's been four or five years ago. You know what's great is it still fits, <laughs> right? Right, you put it on and you're like, oh, this thing still. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. So uh, at the end of service today, um, we have our Christmas ornament. Every year on the very first Sunday of December, we have the Christmas ornament. It'll be up front, I believe. We typically have our Christmas card. I think they were coming late, so we'll probably have that in the next, uh, next week, I believe. Uh, this week, this coming Friday, December 9th, is our food ministry setup. If you're available to come and serve, you can come and do so uh, at 1 o'clock. But the other place that you can come and serve that we always need people to help reach out to people in the community is Saturday the 10th. Now the food ministry runs from 10 to 12, or I should say 10 to when they run, we've been running out of food because there's been so many people that have come through. So if you want to come and serve, come and do so at 9.30. And really you're helping pass out food uh, to people and families that come in. Though we get about um, 80 to 100 individuals that sign, they all come with kids, family members, spouses. And so there's a good 200 or so people that come through that fellowship hall in that period of time. Uh, we got some surprises, too, because we have, you know, kids come. And when kids come, they always look for something, right? They're not looking for an apple, right? They're not looking for a turkey. They're looking for what? A toy, right? Some type of toy or something. So uh, come on out. And then December 18th is our ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. So don't wear the sweater you wore last Sunday. Oh, that was rude, huh? No. <laughs> Some of you get that like, that was rude. No. Ugly Christmas sweater. You probably have one. Uh, and we always have prizes for that. And then the weekend of Christmas, December 24th, Christmas Eve, uh, is our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's early enough to where those of you that celebrate with family around from 5 to 6 o'clock, uh, we end with a time of candlelight to Christmas music, and then we will not have service on Sunday the 25th. So the 24th will be our Christmas weekend service. So mark that uh, down as well, too. All right, I have two verses today for our time of offering. And it's out of Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Listen to these verses. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited interesting that god always starts with expand the tent first before there's ever those that come in the tent for the dwelling place right that's the first place so in our giving today let, let's remember that theme in our giving and that's how god works god works by us first trusting and believing in him and watching him expand so we're going to put up a prayer and i would encourage you to as we do each week pray this individually make this the prayer of your heart today let's pray this together as i give in today's offering i want to see more believe more do more and be more than i have in the past today is a day to say lord enlarge my faith 
and vision stretch my spirit of giving. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you're giving today in service, there's an envelope in the seat back pocket in front of you. You can take that envelope and place it in the offering slot that's on the wall by the sound booth as you exit. You can also go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online or find our P.O. box to give by mail. Well, if you have your Bibles today, um, we're going to jump ahead just a bit. I want you to open to Matthew chapter 1. Got a few verses before I get there. Matthew chapter 1. My title today is to follow Jesus, but we're going to look at the life of Joseph, which we could call his adoptive father, right? That life of, of Joseph. Last year, on the very first Sunday of December, Arcadia experienced a power outage at about 8.15, and it went till about 10.40. In fact, I remember, boom, right now, lights came on. Actually, it was one light came on. It's the weirdest thing, because you couldn't naturally do it. It was one light just happened to turn on, and then everything went on. And no Christmas lights, right? The songs, they had to switch. You know, couldn't do everything, but it was one of those things that everything came on. I was thinking back to even at the church when we first did, how many of you saw the nativity already sitting out on First Avenue? Maybe you've come by. If you haven't, come by at night and look at it as well, too. So the nativity was out there, and we get a phone call late one evening on the recording, and it was a lady that wanted to let us know first she really loved the nativity. She said it looks beautiful, but you're confusing the children in the neighborhood. You have the wise men in the nativity, and they didn't come later until Jesus was in a house. I know that. I believe that. And so she says, you're confused. She kept saying, you're confusing the children. I'm just really concerned you're confusing the children. And then at the end, she says, and you're not supposed to put Jesus out until December 25th. That's when he was born. All right. Well, that's not right either, right? Well, we know this, and not to ruin our December uh, celebration, but Jesus wasn't born during December. He was most likely born in April. Actually, there's some Bible scholars that think he was born in August. But it was the Christians that set up this month as a celebration and chose the 25th as uh, a celebration of Christmas. And then last year, two years ago, we had a fire at the Nativity. True story. The hay, we stopped using hay because the hay caught on fire. And so when you get a phone call from the Arcadia Fire Department that they had to put out the fire at your nativity, right? All right. So anyways, I always love thinking back of, of all of those stories. And I thought about thinking of the life of Joseph. Thinking of what Joseph walked through. You know, there's some verses in our Bible that are always exciting for us to read. And I was thinking about David. One of the verses that I read about David that I always think is exciting, and I always think it's one of those to keep uh, in the forefront of our hearts, is he says this in Psalm 84.10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. That's an exciting verse that David says, a good humbling one. You know, Jesus has one uh, that's a good one. John 10, 10, it's the last part. Jesus says these words, I have come that they might have life, and, and, but that they might have it, we love this word, right, abundantly. We love to say that, abundant life, 
through Jesus. Apostle Paul had one that a lot of us quote. Maybe you quoted it sometime this week. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we love some of those verses in the Bible, but I want to look at a, a, a verse that Jesus said, and then we'll jump into Joseph, because Joseph is going to have a completely different life learning curve by following God than I think you and I read and see in the scripture. And Jesus says these words, in fact, we're going to look at a couple translations, disciples and followers, but in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, Jesus says this to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You ever heard of the term lost and found? Right? That's where the things you left behind show up, right? We call it lost and found. Interesting principle Jesus throws in here that those that lose their life to follow him will find it. Well, the New Century Version says it this way. I like this version. It says, if people want to follow me, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing even to give up their lives to follow me. Those who want to save their lives will give up true life, and those who give up their lives for me will have true life. Giving up my life for him, Jesus says, you find true life. These are hard words that Jesus says to disciples and then we other translations. Last one, Common English Bible, it says this. I think this is a great translation. Jesus says, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves. So look at your neighbor and say no. Tell them that, right? Oh, sorry, you got to say it to yourself. Tell yourself no, right? No. Tell you, say no to themselves, take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will find them. True life, abundant life that Jesus promises are those that say no, that follow him. Uh, I think many times Jesus in the nativity is our favorite, hopefully it is. Most everybody then gravitates to probably Mary and then maybe sometime last Joseph type of bit in the nativity. I want to look today at, at Joseph. In fact, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, it's amazing what God does. Again, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. But God put in alignment everything that would have to happen prophetically for Jesus to be born in fact, we read in Matthew chapter 116, in the lineages or the genealogy, it says, Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, to whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Here's what we know, that the Messiah was told of David. It was prophesied by Nathan, the prophet to David, that through his bloodline, the Messiah would be born. And it just so happened in the bloodline was Joseph. Now, he wasn't the only one. 
but he was one of them that this bloodline went in. So I want to read um, three parts of the scripture between Matthew 1 and 2, just specifically about the call that went out to Joseph. And we pick this up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, another translation says an upright man, a righteous man, and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. There's a different name. We'll look at that in a minute. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Well, we jump ahead here in Matthew chapter 1 and we pick up in chapter 2 verses 13 through 15. And it says this after Jesus was born. After the wise men came, after they departed, it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. And then verse 19 through 23, it says this. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Don't you think by now Joseph is thinking, I don't want to go to sleep anymore. I have these craziest dreams of what to do, and I just don't want to go to sleep anymore. Well, it says, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archias was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. And it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, 
he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, Father, as we look at the leading, really, of the God the Father, of the birth of Jesus, of the work of the Holy Spirit taking place through Joseph, Father, open our eyes that we see you. Open our hearts to listen to you these days. Let us be people that are not looking to save our life. Let us be people that are saying no. Let us be people that find true life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, normally, when you know a wife is pregnant, there's normal things they do. Nowadays, we see so many different things on social media. I remember uh, my wife did not tell me that she was pregnant. We were at Camp Cedarcrest. We were in the middle of a camp. We were taking, I think it was our anniversary, we were taking our anniversary to go have lunch up in Big Bear. The camp was in Running Spring, uh, to have lunch together. Uh, and in a card, it was kind of a thick card, she handed me, a, and I didn't think I had a card for it, and I opened the card, and I grabbed uh, the pregnancy test, and I looked, and I'm reading the card, and I'm like, am I thinking what this is? You're pregnant? What? And then I'm like, wait, you peed on this thing, right? You want to drop, right? You want to say, oh, my goodness. Hope you cleaned it or sanitized it. Well, nor normally that's, that's the way, right? That, that's normally the way that you find out. But in Joseph's life, we think about all that God did, that the Messiah would come from uh, the line of King David. Well, out of that, Joseph uh, was chosen. He's living in Nazareth. He's going to be led to Bethlehem. He's going to be in Bethlehem. He's going to be led to Egypt. And now he's going to be led back to Nazareth, all to fulfill the prophecies that God spoke. Think about that in our lives. All to fulfill the prophecies that the Lord has spoke. That's what I think is so important for us because God has been speaking. God has been saying things to our lives. And too many times we cast it aside or we don't believe. And when you watch every little dot here, God made sure everything was fulfilled, but somebody had to submit to him. Somebody had to follow what he said. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, in fact, it's the beginning of the part, and it says these words, and this is talking about Joseph, but while he thought about these things. What's he thinking about? Well, in, in Jewish culture, there was a 12-month uh, betrothal, it's called. So we would think of it as an engagement, but the problem in our culture with engagement is they take the engagement ring on and give it back, right? The moment you were betrothed, essentially, you were married, but there was no physical activity. There was no intimacy for 12 months. At the end of the 12-month period, then there would be the celebration of the wedding. There would be the celebration of the couple coming together as one. So they're betrothed. In the middle of this, Mary, probably excited, lets Joseph know that she's pregnant with a child from the Lord. <laughs> I think there was some girl that said that on Dr. Phil one year. I said it was of the Lord. He's now thinking through several things. This is the betrothal period. He's not been intimate with her. 
Has she with somebody else? He's also thinking of things, did, could have Mary committed adultery? In fact, if you look up Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 13 through 30, if you look at it, Mary's going to fall into one of those categories, which according to the law back then, they were to bring her outside and stone her and the guy to death. But while he thought about these things, couldn't the father have made this a lot easier? Right? God, why did you have to do it this way? Couldn't you just make it easier? You ever said that to the Lord? Couldn't you just make this easier? But it's a walk by faith. It's a walk by obedience. And what's interesting with Joseph is though he was thinking about these things and he had that dream from the Lord, he did not want Mary to experience a public disgrace. He accepts this challenging role, not knowing exactly what this is actually going to mean to him, that he would become the adoptive father of the Son of God, whom later he would know as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So Joseph is going to learn. In fact, I just marked down a couple of things for us to think of today. Joseph is going to learn absolute trust and obedience, right? He's going to have to believe everything that's spoken to him because it's impossible what God is saying to do. It's impossible. Are you sure you're pregnant? Now, it's one thing you've seen the clothes a lot of, a lot of them wear. We see it today in certain places in the Middle East. You can probably hide the baby bump for a little while, right? Guys can hide the belly bump for a little while in that. They could probably hide it, but at some point, everybody's going to know. Couldn't God have done it a different way? But he's now going to believe what would seem to be impossible. But here's what's most important. He's going to risk everything about himself to follow what God said. Everything. We know he's a carpenter, right? We know that he probably had a picture of his family. He probably had a picture of the year of being betrothed. He probably had a picture of a wedding celebration that would last an entire week and a life now with Mary and a family. And now all of that's changed to follow this God that spoke to me in a dream that seems to be impossible what he says, but he's going to risk everything to follow. He's going to learn to trust and be obedient. The other thing he's going to do, he's going to deny self. How many of you know that's hard? Right? Easy to say, isn't it? Yeah, just deny yourself. Look at somebody say that. Just deny yourself, right? Just an, isn't it easy to say? Say it later in the mirror. Hey, you deny yourself. You know, if you're going to have Jesus now in your family, you're going to have to do things his way. Right? His way. His way. Following him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, when we looked at those prophetic words, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Well, then we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save 
his people from their sins. He probably knew of Isaiah 7, but now it becomes the exact words that were told to Mary. You will call his name Jesus. In a dream, you will call his name Jesus. He will save his people from the occupation of the Romans. Didn't say that, did he? He will save his people from their sins. Another powerful verse in Matthew chapter 125. It says, and he did not know her. Joseph was not physically intimate with Mary. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. You get married and you find out you can't be intimate with your wife until she has the baby and she's healthy. How many guys are going to do that? You know how many weddings I've done? And I'd love to at the end say, and you're going to wait 12 months to be intimate with your wife. Isn't that a great celebration today? And you know what the groom would probably do? What? I got to wait? I've been waiting. He waited. He couldn't do anything before. He would have messed everything up. It wouldn't have been a sinless birth. It would have tainted that. What type of man would self-deny himself with his wife? But he's got to wait. Oh, right? All the guys just like, the ladies are closing their eyes and the guys are like sucker punching. Oh, that hurts. But it's powerful when we read these words, the word Emmanuel, which a lot of times we sing uh, during the Christmas season is God with us. Right? That's what was prophetic back in Isaiah. God with us. Jesus, in fact, really the translation in uh, the Greek is Jehovah is salvation. And I love the part when we think of the work of the Holy Spirit that God set this up. It's not just God with us. God with us was God came down in the cool of the day, Genesis 3, to be with Adam and Eve, as he always did. God in the book of Exodus would be with his people in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God would be with his people in the tabernacle amongst the people in the holies of holies. God was leading his people, leading Moses, God with us. Now with Jesus, it's Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. But the Holy Spirit, when Jesus reads, you can read this in John 16, Acts 1, Acts 2. It's not with us on the outside. It's God in us. The plan of God. Risking everything so that God could be in and amongst us. Living on the inside of us. You know, when we read a little bit later about uh, Joseph, you know, um, what we see in Scripture is probably Joseph died because we don't see Joseph at the cross. Remember at the cross, when Jesus was on the cross and Mary came, uh, Jesus on the cross asked John to take in his mother Mary. So we don't know for sure. The scripture doesn't say anything, but we do know that possibly jo uh, Joseph died sometime in Jesus's life. But we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, that uh, we see Joseph still walking this out. And it says, talking about Jesus, then he went down from them, came to Nazareth, 
and was subject to them, but his mother kept all things in her heart. And And I read that to say this. I wonder when Mary and Joseph thought they would know that this was, what's the Messiah going to do? What's he going to do? Are we going to be sitting around the table at night and all of a sudden he changes all the food? Loaves and fish? Is he going to walk on the water early? You know, five years old, he's just strutting across. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Notice in Luke 2.51, he's subject to them. Right? He's subject to them. How many of you were not subject to your parents? Subject means o- obedient to your parents. Am I the only one? Wow. How many of you kind of, right, had to get straightened out? He was subject to them. He was obedient to them. He's 12 years of age there. We read in Jesus' ministry in, in Matthew 13, verse 55 and 56, they said this about Jesus. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas and his sisters, are they all not with us? It's interesting that even Joseph or Jesus is mentioned as the carpenter's son. But if we look at a very small part of the life of Joseph through the scripture, we look at somebody that was willing to risk everything to follow after God, speaking to him through a dream. Go to Bethlehem, go to Egypt, go to Nazareth, right? Raise up and be protective. It makes me think about my life. The message of the gospel to me. Am I willing to risk it all to follow him? Am I willing to lay it down? Am I willing to be like a Joseph when God says to do something? In fact, even that verse we looked at our tithes of offerings, expanding the stake of the tent before I ever see the tent enlarged. Am I willing to risk it all because he says so? Joseph was willing to risk it all. Opinion, the risk of people finding out, but here's what he knew. He knew that God was with him, right? He knew that God was with him. Bow your heads if you would with me as we prepare to take a a time of communion. Father, we come today, we're mindful of the power of your plan, the power of your word. Jesus talked even about that everything would be fulfilled. In fact, he he uses the word uh, not a jot or tittle, or we would say a period or across the T, dot the I. He would make sure that every promise was fulfilled. But Father, let us be people today that empty ourselves of self to being willing to risk it all to follow you. Lord, we thank you that we're not alone. We're never alone in this. This is the beginning. This was the plan of God. Though the plan could seem to seem crazy in a crazy life, it is fulfilled. And Jesus called it true life. And Jesus called it an abundant life. If you would take your communion with me and open up to the bread and to the juice. 
And I want to read this one verse today. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And it says this. In fact, let's say this verse together. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He himself bore our sins. One of the things the Apostle Paul says in a time like this is we take time to examine ourselves, our hearts. Father, as we stop for a moment before receiving communion with you and to remember you, we examine our life. Father, if I have said anything, if I've listened to anything, if I've looked upon something, if my feet have led me astray, if my heart has turned a different direction, I come to you today and I, I submit to you and I thank you that you forgive those sins. First John 1, 9. That you are faithful that when I confess my sins, you are the faithful and just God to forgive them. You cast them as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them anymore. And so, Father, as I come today and I break my bread, which is an example of the broken body of Jesus, who bore my sin on a tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. And we all say this today, Father, by his stripes we are healed. Let's receive that together. Open your juice. I love the verse in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Father, as we receive of the cup today, the shed blood of Jesus, the promise of the new covenant in him, we receive of that today. And Father, we rejoice. All together in Jesus name. Let's receive that together. Stand with me if you would and we're going to worship the Lord here with this chorus. <laughs> 